We're going to use hands, are there? Keen for a boost juice. Some of you are like, oh, after this illustration, well, it might, might go one way or the other. Uh, so my name's Ralph. I am married to Lyndall, who is singing, and our daughter Zari, and we've got a little boy, Hamish. And when Zari was two, so it was just the three of us, it was two on one, ahead at that stage, we went to a shopping centre, to Rabina Town Centre, and we went uh, in, and we were committed to the shopping experience when we realised that the nappy bag had been left in the car. And so instead of, you know, when you've got kids, you're just trying to survive. And so it was like, I'll run back to the car and grab the nappy bag. You just hang out here. And so Linda sat down in a food court at a little table, and I ran as fast as I could without raising suspicion in the shopping centre. Back to the car, I got the nappy bag, and I ran back. And I arrived at the table that they were sitting at, and I was sweating, I was hot, and I was parched. But Linda had been really thoughtful. She'd bought a boost juice that sat on the table. And so I slunked into the chair, and I grabbed the drink, and I took a really big swig. Oh, I put it down, I said, thanks, thanks babe. Um, you, don't usually, you don't usually choose mango. And that's when she said, yeah, that's not my drink. <laughs> I said, whose is it? She says, I don't know. It was just sitting there. And you didn't, think to, you didn't think to stop me. Now, in Linda's defense, the chewed straw give away. And the drink should have been another giveaway. Sometimes things are not what they seem, are they? Which is why I want to talk about Jesus today, because Jesus is not quite what he said some thinking from John Ortberg in his book, Who Is This Man? But Jesus had such a prolific impact on the world that his birthday is celebrated every year. Just think about that alone, just for a moment. His death is remembered every year, still. The device upon which he was killed is the most recognisable symbol around the world from fashion and t-shirts, to jewellery, to gravestones. His name is top five swear words used. That is an accomplishment, right? You have to upset some people to achieve that. Jack Clark said, regardless of what anyone may personally think or believe about Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for 20 years years. I know, just seeing if you're listening. Sorry, crush that, 20 centuries. Your preconceptions about Jesus, whatever they are, whether you've been part of church or you've never been to church and this is your first morning, if you can put them aside and ask who is this man, the results are stunning. Jesus was born in a town that we only know the name of because he was born in that Bethlehem. Isn't on the itinerary of a Kentucky tour back then. He never held office. He never led an army. He never wrote a book. He never traveled more than a couple of hundred kilometers from his home. 
He was never known around the world. He didn't have Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. See, he was even sensible. And Jesus was the most unlikely candidate to ever change the world. Yet today, in Burley, we're talking about him. He formed a movement that Shirley read to us before called the Church, which is the first of its kind in the world. It was an incredibly unique movement. The Apostle Paul described it as, here there is no Gentile or Jew, (coughs) circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, they weren't fans of Scythians, by the way, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. The church was a movement that no one was excluded from. Never before the church was there ever a movement that sought to actively include every single human being, regardless of their ethnicity, their status, their wealth, their ability, their health, or their gender, to be loved and transformed. Not only had there never been a community like this, there had never ever existed the idea of a community like this. The church was Jesus' idea. It was his vision. He started it. In our society, if you don't look at the church and you think wider and broader than that, the most closest group to us must be AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and all the other offshoots of that. The 12 steps that they follow came from what's called the Oxford Group. The Oxford Group was a group of Christians who developed the 12 steps to help them live out the ways of Jesus that were adopted later by the AA. No Jesus, no AA movement. Jesus changed the way we think about history. In the ancient world, dates were by the current Roman emperor. So they would say in the sixth year of Augustus. The people lived under the vision and the rule of that particular emperor. That emperor defined what life was like. And regardless of which emperor sat on the throne, life was the same. It just repeated time and time and time again. Until the 6th century, a Scythian proposed the calendar we now used, which probably wasn't this exact cover. (laughs) But it wasn't dates formed around the Roman Empire, but dates formed around this man, Jesus. calendar was a reinstatement of Jesus' vision, not Rome's, that life did have meaning, that it was going somewhere, that we are part of something larger, and the determining event is the life of Jesus. So powerful is this vision that today we count our days according to it. In fact, every ruler who has ever lived has their death dated in reference to Jesus. One of his followers called him the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who is this man? Jesus shaped how we express our compassion. In ancient Greek and Rome, it was you were ahead, you were winning if you were beautiful, beautiful, noble and strong. 
I would have been in trouble on the beautiful and noble aspects of this. A Roman historian, Seneca, Seneca says, we drown children at birth when and abnormal. It was a brutal world they lived in. Ancient world, a child would be left to die if they were the wrong gender. No prizes for guessing which gender that was. In the ancient world, there were 1.5 million boys and 1 million girls. That meant that 400,000 girls had been left to die. But Jesus' followers, they remembered what Jesus said, and Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And so they started to take care of abandoned children. They began a practice that you've heard of godparenting, godfathers and godmothers. That's where it came from, with children who had no parents would adopt the parenthood. They began to set up an absurd and unthinkable practice in ancient Greece. In the first few centuries, the church grew at an astounding rate because of something we're all familiar with, an epidemic in the form of a plague that swept through the population and decimated nearly one-third of them. Among historians, it created such a panic in the general population that at the first onset of the disease, people pushed sufferers out of their homes. They fled from their dearest, throwing them onto the road before they were dead and treading on unburied corpses like they were dirt, hoping to avoid the spread of the fatal disease. But there was a group of people who were part of this strange new little community who remembered what Jesus had said as he treated people who were outcast, who had leprosy, who were diseased, who were lame and blind and possessed, and they remembered what Jesus did, and so they walked the streets, picking up the bodies, and the bodies that had passed away, they gave respectful burials to, and the, and the bodies that were still alive, they took them in, nursed them back to health, and some of those people, some of the people died, and some of the Christians that cared for them lived. And some of the Christians that cared for them died. In the 4th century, the first hospital was established by a monk by the name of As you can see, he had a great beard. I remember the days of having a great beard. By the 6th every monastery had a hospital attached to it. And over time, the idea that we should have compassion on all who suffer spread and infected the entire human race. The Geneva Convention set up an arm to ensure that the work of alleviating suffering was carried on and the symbol they chose was a big red cross. Salvation Army, World Vision, Compassion, YMCA, Habitat for Humanity, Greenpeace, hospitals, doctor surgeries, Healthcare facilities, when you see them, you are seeing the fingerprints of Jesus in our time. Now, this is not to say without Christianity there would be no compassion. And it's also worth saying that Christians have done an abysmal job at consistently showing compassion when we have the opportunity to. But if you can find an organization that is selflessly committed to giving to the lowly with no desire for return, its origins can be traced back to Jesus. Who is this man? Jesus shaped education. 
In the ancient world, education was reserved for one particular gender and providing you were wealthy and of a certain upper class. The gender's male, in case you hadn't worked that out. But there was this little organisation that followed a man who taught everyone and then told them to teach everyone. And so in the 4th century, some of those followers had gathered together in monastic communities and for centuries, those monastic communities were the only organizations that preserved ancient writings. And not just the biblical text, but historical records and philosophical writings. And then the churches began to build schools to communicate this information. And then they began to build universities. The very first university, Christian university, is the University of Paris in the 12th century. It's the top right. Then's Oxford, top left, Cambridge, bottom right. Oxford University's motto is the Lord is my light. Then Harvard, bottom left, and Yale, and on. Because the church believed that to educate someone was to empower them to think God's thoughts. Isn't that cool? The greatest of technology, it happened in the Christian monasteries. Mechanical clocks, who's wearing a watch or got a watch in their pocket because it's on your phone? Yeah, I know, you've all got watches. Or you just hang around with someone who has a watch. Well, the first mechanical clock invented monks who wanted to know when they should pray. The first eyeglasses, first spectacles, they were made by candlelight. Don Perignon was the name of a Benedictine monk, I kid you not, who contributed to the, to the invention and production of champagne. So if you ever can afford a glass of Don Perignon, you have a monk to thank for that. It was who compiled the first dictionary, they wrote the first grammars, they developed the first alphabets in languages across the world. The first name that is written more um, than any other name in any other language is the name of Jesus, who himself never wrote a book. The four Gospels, that's the four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they've been translated into 2,200 languages. No other book is translated into a fifth of that many. Who was this man? It's actually harder to understand and explain on the world if you believe he is just a man. What about art? Without Jesus, there would be no Johann Bach who signed every one of his and um, his work to the glory of God. You know, no Hallelujah chorus, no Sistine Chapel ceiling, no Gregorian dance, no Mozart's requiem, no supper, no C.S. Lion, the witch in the wardrobe, and brace yourself for this, no Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. It just got serious, right? Whoa, hold on. Modern written note music, stuff that we use this morning, is the invention of the medieval church to ensure the continued worship of Jesus spreads. There has been nothing that has gripped the artist like the vision of Jesus. Je Jesus uniquely taught love for enemies. Most people who believe in 
hold on to the idea that God is a loving God. People of the ancient world, they didn't love gods. They didn't love Zeus or Baal or Molech, Thor, because clearly they had Hemsworth yet. But the idea of a God that loves was absurd until Jesus said, for God that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The idea that God loves comes directly from Jesus. So if you ever bump into anyone that has an inkling that God is a loving entity, that is because of Jesus. Has anyone seen the the movie Conan, Conan the Barbarian? You don't need to watch it. In fact, don't. It's a dreadful movie. And I couldn't find a single photo to put up that was like decent enough to be in church this morning. But in that movie, Genghis Khan is paraphrased when he has asked the question, what is best in life? And Genghis Khan said this, your enemies, see them driven before you and hear the lamentations of their women. He was one brutal dude, wasn't he? who said turn the other cheek if your enemy takes your cloak give him forgive those who persecute you do not repay evil for evil and they were just not words designed to fire people up and get people on board Jesus went to the cross went to his death and spoke the words father forgive them they do not know what they're doing. Forgive them for the gravest act against them. And as far as they could escape it, they couldn't get this. Christians over the years have been arrested and executed, martyred for their faith. And many had to endure the most humiliating and horrific deaths. They were torn by dogs, ripped apart by wagons, drowned in boxes, nailed to crosses, and doomed <coughs> He would take the followers of Jesus, he would cover them with tar, and he would use them as human torches to light the gladiator games. This happened on and off for three centuries. But the response of those Christians, how did they respond? Did they dream of revenge? Did they plot retaliation? Did they start an armed revolt? No, they loved and prayed for Nero. Astounding. Secular researcher Hannah from Princeton University says the discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs was Jesus of Nazareth. What a thing to be credited with. Who was this man? He inspired the word, his speech perhaps ever given by Martin Luther King Jr., a Baptist minister, who when he saw he was losing the crowd, one of the dream, Martin, and he explained this, I have a dream, and as he speaks about this, he quotes the prophet Amos. Dream is all about Jesus' dream for humanity. Jesus inspired Tolstoy. Tolstoy wrote a book called Resurrection. That book was pivotal in inspiring a lawyer named Gandhi to bring a movement of reconciliation. So the last letter that Tolstoy ever wrote to anyone outside of his family was to Gandhi, 
to praise him for his self-sacrificing love of this man, Jesus. And it was Gandhi who said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. It's sobering, isn't it? See, Jesus is prolific with his followers. Often in spite of them, in spite of us, in spite of me. Yet Jesus' movement has grown and grown and grown because God's love is unstoppable. Utterly and entirely expressed in this person of Jesus Christ. So who is this man? He is the hinge of history. He is the hope of the oppressed. He is the inspiration of the despairing. He is the king of and he is the Lord of Lords. He is the greatest teacher who ever taught. He is the greatest mind who ever thought. He offered the greatest gift that has ever been given. He launched the greatest movement the world has ever known. He alone mastered life. He alone conquered death. He alone overcame sin. He alone grows more and more present with each passing year. He is the Son of God, the glory of mankind, the crucified cup of Nazareth, the hope of nations and the Saviour of the world. That's who Jesus is and I love Jesus. <laughs> I love Jesus in case you hadn't. Because of my life, which I haven't even touched on today. Everywhere we look, when you walk out those doors, everywhere you look, fingerprints of Jesus. And my question to you today is, I want to be part of a movement that leaves more and more fingerprints of Jesus on this world. In Burley, with your neighbours, in your family, with the people God brings across your path. That's what we've started today. Not a church that meets once a week at 10am in, in a building, but a community that makes Jesus' love known in birth. The footprints of Jesus' presence. And if you don't know Jesus, he will make himself known to you. Just open your heart, just invite. God surprised me this week, show me this week. Appear to me this week, speak to me this week. And you'll see that he will. And if you'd explore more about what it means, then I would really strongly encourage you just to register your interest for Alpha. That's the same QR code that was up before. You go down to the red question mark, hit that, you're just expressing your interest. Or just start running the experiment to see what happens when you, in your life, when you begin to do what Jesus said to do. So let me pray for you. Lord, it is such a privilege for us to be here today. We want to know you. We want to be used by you and transformed by you. We want to be forgiven by you and have the same spirit that resides in you reside in us that wherever we go, we might leave your fingerprints and not our own. The Holy Spirit, I pray you would move. Move in our hearts. Move in our minds. Move our emotions. 
the Lord, we might see you and encounter you and trust you and join in this wonderful journey you have us on. We thank you and we love you. We ask this in your name.